This podcast was recorded on the land of the Yuan people. Welcome to Teach Insights from Catalyst, the podcast that explores the science of learning and its practical implementation in the classrooms of Catholic Education, Canberra Goulburn. I'm your host, Luke Mooney, and in each episode, we'll hear from teachers and leaders who are leading the way in implementing evidence-based teaching practice. Today, I chat with Erica Drusen, the Religious Education Coordinator at Carroll College, Browley. In this episode, Erica and I delve into her pivotal role in implementing Catalyst at her school, exploring high-impact teaching practices and how she uses the writing revolution to teach English, religious education and HSIE. Don't forget to explore the show notes where we've included some excellent lessons and guided notes generously shared by Erica and her team. Trust me, they are an invaluable resource. So now, let's dive right into our conversation. Welcome to Teacher Insights, Erica. Thank you. Erica, to start us off today, can you tell us a bit about your role at Carroll College? All right, so I guess I'm the lead teacher here for Catalyst and I got that role a couple of years as a bit of a story. A couple of years ago, um, I was doing an AP role one day a week. My life here is as the REC, okay. uh, the Religious Education Coordinator, but um, two years ago our AP was having one day a week off, so I was working in that role and that was happened to also be the year that uh, I was involved in being the first group of people to go through the Teach Well course as part of Catalyst. So Jackie Heffernan, our principal, just invited me to kind of lead and continue leading that. And so last year I had um, REC role again. I was humanities coordinator and I also shared the assistant principal uh, teaching and learning role um, with a colleague, uh, Sandra Harris. So the two of us were APs and so I continued that role. And we now have a new AP. Uh, so Andrew Keneally will be taking this on, but because I've been a sort of, you know, founding member, I suppose I've just kept kept doing that role. So and quite I feel busy back really, then. Yeah, quite busy. Yeah, so last year was was really full on, but um, but it's been great. So and what's know. been your role to enact change across the school? So I suppose part of it at the the time when I started. So going back um two years, twenty twenty one, when the first lot of people went through the Teach World course. Um, I was the humanities coordinator and we decided that humanities was a great place to start sort of implementing teach well across the board. So to backtrack, humanities is um, kind of a model of a middle school in our high school. So we're a seven to 12 school, um, co-ed school, and it's that model where there are three um, KLAs taught by the one teacher in the one classroom as a little stepping stone between primary school and high school. So the one teacher would teach RE, religion, they would teach English and they also teach HSIE, which is the geography content and the HS, uh, the history content, I beg your pardon. So one teacher teaches all of those things and the, the benefit of that is that we have teachers who really know those kids they can walk in and you can just tell by their body language much like I guess a primary school teacher would sure oh they're not right today or mm, there's been a falling out between them and not quite sure so um I really value that humanities year because one as a teacher it's wonderful you really know those learners you know those children um and it really helps them settle into a high school setting so they've got a familiar person you see them a lot 
um, your, you know, the expectations of how a classroom operates is the same. It's kind of comfortable. And then they whiz off to PE and science and all sorts of other things where, you know, it's a different person, a new person. So um, particularly kids with, with um, some needs find that a great balance. So we decided that humanities was the place to start Teach Well. There were at least three, four of us who were teaching humanities at the time and we thought, you know what, this is great. We'll just start it here and then we can kind of control how that rolls out. And so as the coordinator of HUMS at the time, it just made sense for me to kind of lead that. And so last year it was more sort of seeing where it could go in other places, continuing to lead it out in humanities because it's it's such a big thing to start in your school. Um, and then also as an REC, rolling it out in classes in, you know, in year nine and eight and 10 and 11 and 12 and building those resources is a big thing. Um, but there's still a lot more to do in terms of, of whoever that role is, myself or somebody else, leading and supporting staff in implementing it across the board because it's a big job. Was there anything special that you did or any strategies that you used to help implement that change? One of the things we've we've um, we did a lot initially, and we still do from time to time, is that it became quite a regular feature at staff meetings. So when we would meet together, myself or somebody else who had who'd gone through the course actually took the whole staff through a little HITP lesson or activity or strategy and so that built some knowledge across the school about everybody well I could I could give that a go I, I, I could I could try that I'm not doing the teach well course but I understand what my colleague is doing or um, you know that's that doesn't seem incredibly difficult and a lot of people mentioned particularly people who've been teaching a long time they went well this is just good teaching practice this isn't anything you know incredibly new and we went no it's not it's 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 what you already have that many of us have either moved away from from different reasons different fads different trends in teaching that moved us in different directions but it's just returning really to that explicit instruction and when people heard that they felt a lot more comfortable with oh I think I can probably get on board so that was a big thing actually featuring it at staff meetings on a really regular basis. Was there particular resources that you needed to make sure that um, the teachers had? Uh, mostly the whiteboards in, in particular. Um, we we're already a well-equipped school in terms of, an, uh, and most would be these days, in terms of white, um, you know, whiteboards in your classroom, uh, as in like a projector, I mean. And then, of course, the little whiteboards and the pens and the erasers. So we needed to stock up on all of those things. But once you've got that and... You know, um, we all got clickers so we could be moving around the room and moving our PowerPoints um, on and be being physically moving in the room and not being stuck at the front of the room. Um, that makes a big difference for me that I can move around the room and click to the next slide or um, those sorts of things. Some of us used, we got paddle pop sticks for everybody so that they could do, you know, non-volunteers and pull out a random person's name. When I did the course, um, they use a deck of cards and I actually really like a deck of cards because I can sort of just shuffle it. I put two names on the card, which a lot of people do with their paddle pop sticks as well, but I put two different names so I know if I'm asking a question that it might not be appropriate for one child, it's appropriate for the other child. So I can say to a kid, pull me out a card and they'll say, and I just take the card back and I know there's two names. So there's Brendan and Sarah and I think this would be a question Brendan could answer. Sarah might be challenged. So, you know, or my, Sarah might be a child who doesn't want to be asked questions, is very nervous and, and I've got a difficult question coming up. Brendan's confident. Brendan doesn't mind if he gets it wrong. Brendan, you're the man who answered this question. 
if it's a question I know Sarah can answer with confidence, then I'll say, Sarah, this is your chance to answer the question. So those sorts of things, um, so little props like that. So it wasn't no- nothing, I mean, the whiteboards, little whiteboards are, you know, a bit of an investment, but no, just simple simple things to make sure you're encouraging constant participation. I love it how you can select the child. Yeah, so I had a, I had a child last year um, and, you know, they came with notes saying, please do not put this child on the spot, do not ask them to read, do not ask them to talk in class. And I had been doing this course about, don't let them opt out. They can't opt out of their learning. That's, And obviously in time you build a culture of, I will, I'll say to the kids, if you get it wrong, you know, the, the world isn't going to swallow you up and, you know, we get things wrong all the time. It's, it's To get things wrong is fine. It's That's how we learn. It really doesn't matter. And so anytime I would get a confident child who got something wrong, I'd go, no problem. That doesn't matter, does it? And it really built that trust and I had said to her, if I ask you, not, in, not in, obviously not in front of everybody, if I call on you, I promise you'll know the answer. I will never put you in a position where you won't know the answer. So we did that term one. Yeah. And she would answer questions and she would get the right answer and I wouldn't make a massive fuss, but at the end, you know, give her a little wink and keep going and she knows, oh, you know, that was okay. And eventually it got to the stage where I could ask her a question that she might not get the right answer and she learned it didn't, you know, nothing happened to me. I'm okay. And, you know, that's that's important. And I think we, as teachers, we really get into that habit of so-and-so knows it, so-and-so knows it, that's great, it helps me. All the kids are learning from that other kid who knows it, but they're not at all. And building that trust of you can get it wrong and it's not a problem, it's okay. So, Isn't it wonderful that you're able to help yeah, so I, I hope she feels now that she can, you know, doesn't really matter. I think she doesn't never loved it, but um, you know, she certainly didn't mind being asked questions by the end of the year. So, and so even by the end of semester one, really, the practice that HIT pr- practice ma- enormous difference. Yep. Whereas I probably would have read that note and gone, okay, I won't call on her, and feel quite justified in doing that. But I thought, well, no, I'm hearing something else that's telling me that that's not okay for me and it's not okay for her. So step up and figure out another way of, of making it work and and it gives you that. But definitely that flexibility of having two two names or two options or what have you. No one thinks you're tricking it, but but you definitely are. You're you're still running that classroom. Absolutely. So that everybody is being challenged and in the right way. So since your HITP training, yeah. what's changed in your teaching? Um Mm. that in a big way okay that idea of not opting out um you know i probably would have been far more um willing to let a child go no no i don't have the answer i don't know no i don't know and me just going okay but now I'll i'll come back to you and i do come back to them and i'm i'm much i guess more demanding of their participation that the opt out is not an option you're on board you're in it let's do it yep and and they're, they're, they're getting on board with that. And I, I guess it's um, developed in me a bit of a confidence to to push and not be seen as um, overstepping a mark. I think we really worry that we're going to damage children or, you know, are their parents going to get upset if I've, I've really challenged them and pushed them? But no, and they rise to the occasion. I think a lot of it's crafting a very safe environment for that type of practice. Um, 
but that's that's been great. I've loved a common language amongst my colleagues where we um, can talk about strategies that we've used um, that we all know what we're talking about. So, you know, we'll go, well, well, I did a choral response with that and, oh, the kids answered and they really, really enjoyed that or I did whisper reading with the kids and um, my class really like whisper reading and, okay. and that I probably wouldn't have tried those things before or I would have done the who would like to read next and, and we can do those things but I'm not improving other kids' reading when that happens. So it's it's just opened me up to a few different strategies and, and opportunities to ensure everyone's participating. So you're using, I'm just picking up on a couple of things, you're yep. using choral response. Yep. Um, which year levels? So I teach year 11 and year 9. So definitely more successful in a year 7 class than a year 9 class. Year 9 is a bit, bit too cool for school, but I, but I can get them on, on board with different things. And I would definitely use it more in year 7. Um, but I've had classes in year 12, I don't currently, but I've had year 11s and year 12s really like choral response. They really like it because they know it's helping their their memory they know it's helping them to retain more information and that they're pronouncing things properly and that sort of thing but yeah so you can you can use it in high school across the board but um year seven are great with it yeah um the whispering the whisper response is just the choral response been in a whisper no so uh, you can also do whisper reading where i will we're reading a novel at the moment and we're taking them through the novel and i read the novel um Oh, not so much doing it with a novel. I suppose I'm doing it more with the, like a shorter piece of text. But I'm encouraging them to obviously read along with a novel, but a shorter piece of text where I, I don't want them to drift off. So say it might be might be a page of reading, whereas if I just read, I'm not certain, you know, they're just having a little doze or, or looking yeah. out the window or what have you. So to encourage them and also to improve their own reading about how do I have pace, um, how what's my intonation, when am I pausing, all those things, I get them to whisper read with me. So I read in my normal voice and then they read really quietly. So they just whisper and they just keep reading along at exactly the same time. So I'll say to them, you don't, I probably won't hear you in the back row, but I might hear you in the front row. But as we all whisper together, we'll hear, I'll be able to hear you. And they all just whisper along. And they're just following along. It doesn't matter if they get it a word wrong because my big voice is dominating the room. And you're showing how to... And I'm showing them how to pronounce that. How do I say that? When do I stop? Yeah. And they, they read beautifully in their whisper reading. Is that something you came up with? Them, no, it's one of the um, writing revolution things. Not the writing revolution, sorry. It's one of the teach well things. Um, but it's it, it just keeps them focused. It keeps them on board and you know again if I see somebody not whisper reading with me I can say to them okay Luke you're going to read that last line please and it just reminds them she'll catch me <laughs> you know I have to be I have to be on board and I have to be focused I mean I'm not uh, clearly there's kids who daydream and you know have a moment out and all of that's happening but I think it's happening a lot less than it once would have yeah so you're working together in a I guess a team of teachers how many in that team? So in my humanities team at the moment, there's five of us. Yep. Um, so there's five classes and we all work really closely in delivering and developing the resources to have rolled out and fully embed the HRTP strategies in every lesson. How does that work when you're working together to create resources? So all of us have trained in different ways. We've all done the training. Um, one teacher's doing it currently. Um, and we've all got a specialty. So I'm... 
religious education coordinator. I've done the course. So I develop the RE resources generally, um, and which means in terms of what that means, what does a resource look like? So I'll create a whole slideshow. Um, I've also done an accompanying booklet. So we'll do lesson by lesson. The slideshows are all there. So in it, there'll be moments of we're all doing choral response now. We're doing choral reading now. Here's a moment for whiteboards and checking for understanding. Here's a moment um, for a hinge point question. Here's a moment for some practice in writing. There's always practice in writing and we use the writing revolution strategies. And so it'll be okay. We've we've done this learning now. We've learnt about... um, you know, how, how different the three Abrahamic religions, faiths refer to God and why they refer to God in different ways. And we've learnt that and so now we're going to write about that and that will be turned to your booklet. We'll, we'll do the writing task there or we'll break down or expand a sentence or anything like that. So I'll do that. We've got other teachers who are, um, you know, we're all trained in at least two of the disciplines. Um, you know, we've got an English expert. So the English expert, Anna creates all the beautiful English resources for us. And then, um, you know, Belle or Deb or or Kat or somebody else will will create all the HSIE resources. And then we all work together to do reviews. So each week one of us is responsible for creating a series of slides that reviews the content that we've studied thus far. So it might be if you're early on, you're only studying, you know, you're only revising weeks one and two. If you're on week 10, you can have anything from the term or even from the previous term that you could ask so that the kids are getting that recall on a regular basis. So it seems like that if you've got five people in the team that you might just be on a couple of times for the term to create the review. Yeah, that's right, for the review. Yeah, absolutely. So I've only done one um, at the moment. I'm due to do another one. So, yeah, twice for a review and it's like 10 slides, 12 slides or something like that. So that's not arduous because it's not supposed to be an entire lesson's worth of work. Yeah, It has been a really big thing to create the resources. Like that's been a two-year kind of thing. But we're talking about, you know, a lot of lessons. So, you know, 21, 20 lessons a cycle. Um, So three disciplines – it's, it's taken a long time to do it, but now they're done and they just need to be reviewed, updated, new resource found. But but we've really gotten very used to what will it look like. It will have that participation in it regardless. Because that's and the key, isn't it? That's the key. And if I've, I've made the RE resource, somebody else can pick it up, but because they understand when it's a choral response what's supposed to happen, they feel confident and comfortable doing that choral response. I've never liked doing other people's slideshows or doing other people's lessons or doing I've never been a teacher who was very good at putting myself into the mindset of the other person what how did they mean this to look but now they have a very similar feel to them you can put your own personal take on how you want to deliver it but it's essential that the call response happens there it's essential that the review happens there it's essential that the writing task happens there and that's the bit that's consistent you spoke a bit earlier, you mentioned hinge point questions. Can yeah. you just maybe break that open a bit and give so, us an example? So a hinge point question, these were really new for us. They're things that teachers do, but it's a very deliberate style of questioning where it's a multiple choice question, m- more than one correct answer, um, and often has or should have in it like a, a misconception of some kind. So they're actually quite difficult to construct hinge point questions. The idea of a hinge point question is that in your review with the whiteboards, that if you see, you can basically see who knows it, who doesn't know it. And the, the challenge is, 
and I haven't solved the challenge necessarily, I think this is a massive challenge, is when you know they don't have it right, how to stop the five kids who don't have it right and help them now and move the 20 kids who do have it right on with something else. So it's it's the skill in having that next activity ready, having that next um, time to go back and reteach those five when you know the other 20 don't want to be bored with being retaught something that they've already mastered. So hinge point questions are, I think, pretty a, a bit of a challenge in humanities t- style subjects where to unpack something can take quite a long time. Um, you know, and if a kid hasn't understood understood why it's an adverb, they're probably not going to understand it in you know a very quick fix up. Well, it's an adverb because you know th- there's obviously a reason. So you're going to have to spend more time with them unpacking that. But it's it's a great indicator of going. They don't know what that is. They haven't mastered that. We're going to have to sit. And I'm going to have to plan a lesson where those twenty can move on, and I sit with these five and we we master this but it's a it's a great diagnostic kind of tool um they use them really effectively in um, some of the maths and science lessons that i've seen where they can see straight away there's a problem there and they can actually reteach and and um kind of clarify something quite quickly i've seen it done quite skillfully in, in maths lessons in particular so can you recall one example um yeah there's a good there was one we did in in re i'm just trying to think um with the Oh, it's a ways of ways of praying or reconciliation or something like that where um, we were saying that one of the the misconceptions in it was that um, you know prayer is only for Christians or something like that and so you could see that because we are a Catholic school and we talk about Christianity and prayer and all those sorts of things there were kids who were responding yes that's just for Christians. So then I can fix that up quickly. That's that's something where I can go, no, well, we might think that because we talk about Christians praying a lot and we talk about but all sorts of religions pray. That wasn't the exact example, but it's that type of okay. that type of thing yep. where you can you can um, get rid of a misconception quite quickly. It doesn't help you much if it's as I said, a, a skill that you know needs to be retaught because sure. that will take longer. Yep. But to get rid of a misconception or to say, I wonder if if they're gonna if this will catch them out, and I'll realise that I need to clarify this one point. They're great for that. Yes. Yeah. Jumping on to moving on to the writing revolution. Yeah. And have you done the training for the writing revolution? Yes. So I was one again with there was five of us sat for you know eight mornings or whatever it was from 7.30 in the morning to 9.30. I've done it too. Yeah, Yeah, it was great. You mentioned before that the writing revolution, you use that to teach the content through writing and through um, your lessons. Can you explain how that works? Yeah, so say we're talking about, at the moment we've been talking, we've been doing a unit on ancient China. So we've been looking at, or the geography of China, we've been doing that, and then we've been looking at emperors. So anything we read or learn about an emperor we then do a writing task after that learning. So it might be um, we're talking about a particular emperor. He expanded China. might be a statement that we would give. And then we would go, well, what do we know about this person? We'd ask questions like who and what and where and why. And the kids learn to take notes from a, a slab of text that they've got. Because we find in high school we'll often go, read that and take notes. And kids write down things. They just copy down words they think are important, a sentence they think is important. But they really have no idea what they you mean when you say read that and take notes. 
And so we would structure it in a, well, let's answer the key questions. We'll have a who and a what and a where and a when and a why. Not everyone is relevant, you know. Okay, we did, we won't get to answer how. There was no how in all of that. So we they can start to take notes answering those questions. Because if you say take notes, they don't know which bit about. But if you say I want to know when something happened, they can find the when. They want to know why something happened. They can find the why. So if you give them those questions, they can start to narrow down key information that they have. And then they would use that to construct a sentence. So you then say, okay, I want you to write a sentence and I want a who and a when and a why in the sentence. And so it's like a jigsaw puzzle for them. We even color code it. Well, all the reds will be when and all the greens will be, you know, yellow and something else. And so we'll go put I want those three colours in your answer and you can put them in this order. An important thing we always do is give an example response. So even if a child, that's all they can do, they're at least practising writing out the example that they were given. We're hoping that they'll write the question on their own but or the answer on their own, um, but they're always given an example response so that they, they've, got, they've got an exemplar rather than just leaving them and, you, and then verbalising, oh, this is something you could say, and then they didn't really hear it, and then they're none the wiser as to what they should have written down. But pretty well we do all sorts of writing tasks. That's just one example, expand a sentence, um, that we would do after some content. So they would have some content, some information provided, and then we practice the skill of, of writing, which helps me learn about that content or, and absorb that content because I'm writing about it now. When you teach the content to start with, what's that look like? So we will find appropriate um, information. We'll usually put it in a slideshow and or the booklet. So if it's work that we want them to underline or anything, it'll always go in a booklet so that they can have access to that. So it would be like little appropriate videos that we watch. We're watching a video. We're going to take notes in our booklet. We're reading a text. We're going to underline and well, then we're going to answer some who, what, why questions in our booklet. Um, so it just looks like explicit teaching. Teachers up the front of the room, teachers moving around the room, teachers reading. We're all reading along together. We're watching this. We're discussing. We, you know, your non-volunteers asking, asking questions. What does that, what do you think that means? Or why would they have done that? Or, you know, how could they have done that better? Those sorts of questions. And then there's a writing task. So they've always got the, by the sounds of it, that most of the time or always got the writing. They either the text either got a writing booklet or they're writing in their humanities book. Yep. So say they might be doing something for English, then they might be copying down work from the board if it's obviously appropriate, relevant sort of information that they need to retain. They've just done work on the hero's journey. So, you know, they'll be doing a little map of a hero's journey, a monomyth in their books and labelling it and those sorts of things. So. Regular teacher classroom sure. type activities, yeah. So you're mixing English up by expanding sentences and yes. learning about how to write a sentence yep. um, and different types of sentences yes. as well. Yep, and fragments and sentences and what, what makes it a good sentence. Um, we add things like a positives to a sentence. That's That's been a, a really good thing to, to help um, students just get more information in their sentences and in a sophisticated kind of way. So we don't speak in a positives. A positives is where you, um, it's like a clause, it is a clause that you add, that adds more information to a noun that's in the sentence. So it might be um, Luke, a representative from CE, interviewed Erica about Catalyst. So if you took that out, it just says Luke interviewed Erica about Catalyst. Yeah, that's okay. But now we've got Luke and we've got some more information about you, a CEO representative, CEO representative 
you know, da da da. So they learn to insert a key piece of information that tells us more about the noun. And it's just a, we don't speak like that, but we write like that. And you'll see it often in newspapers and different ways. It's just a, you know, an informative way of writing. One of the big things I imagine in a high school is teaching them how to write a paragraph as yep. well. Um, and the Every, writing... Everything is leading to the paragraph. Everything does, yeah. So, so all of the sentence-level writing activities, expand a sentence, um, including in a positive, um, all leading to being able to write a paragraph. So we work on a topic sentence and then the topic sentence would ideally have a, a positive in it. Um, and then they write the topic sentence out in full and then we then we go to our rely on our who's and our what's and our when's and our where's and our why's if if relevant or whatever we're trying to answer, and they do four points for supporting um, details that they want to say about the topic sentence. So all those supporting details have to relate to the topic sentence. That's that's a, a challenge for some of them to make sure that they're linking back. Yes, it's, this is all about my topic sentence, and then a concluding sentence. And then the job is to again jigsaw puzzle all of that together. And we've just found that um, the kids are on board with that and they understand why they're doing it and they understand what they're putting together. They might not always get it right and, you know, there's there's areas to work on. The concluding sentence might not really relate to the topic sentence when it's supposed to. They're all things we can work on. But the enormous difference in the last year and a half that I've been doing it is the lack of students saying to me, but what do you want me to say? But what do you want me to write? So... If we've provided them with the topic sentence or we've supported them in writing the topic sentence, we've done an, um, in in the Teach Well world, we'd call it a, you know, a, a we do, oh, sorry, an I do, we do it together and then you do it. So I show them a topic sentence, we do a topic sentence together, now you write your topic sentence. And then those four points and the concluding sentence, they can put their paragraph together. It might not be perfect. Some of them are perfect. Some of them are incredible. Um but they they know what they're supposed to be saying, at least. There's no sitting there throwing their head back and going, I don't even know what to do, I don't know where to start. They they know where to start and that's a game changer. At the note-taking point, just want to dig a bit deeper, at the note-taking point where they're trying to, where they're get, gathering their ideas for point one, two, three and four, yep. at what point is that um, try it yourself, I'll help you, I do, we do, you, you do sort of, where does that sort of branch off? So we we would still be supporting them in a lot of ways, even even at the moment. Um, there are some students who are just ready to go with that. They can see, yep, you want me to write a topic sentence, you want me to write four points, you want me to write a concluding sentence, no problem. They're ready to go already, but they understand that structure. But there'd be still students we would be helping, and we always even give, an, give a model with what could be point one, what could be point two, what could be point three, what could be point four. So they might even be given that right up to basically the whole plan. It's called a SPO, a single paragraph outline. Then we would go, now it's your turn to try to put that together. So you rewrite out the topic sentence, now turn number one into a sentence. And we practice that a lot in class. So then they could feel like they can at least turn, I can have a goal of turning that into a sentence. Even if they didn't come up with that independently yet, they can have a goal at turning it into a sentence. So there's, it might be, um, um, so you're talking about landscapes of China, you know, the, the, the landscapes of China protected China from invasion. Point number one, Gobi Desert. That might be all it is. The Gobi Desert protected the people because it is so large and it is a desert and it's hard to navigate. Okay. 
So that's what you – and so I would say that and I'd go, you might write something like that. So they can turn Gobi Desert yep. into a sentence now. So at every point they're working on just the sentence and a sentence is doable for them. Someone gave me the topic sentence, oh, I now have to turn this short note into a sentence. Okay, I can I can do that. Now we'll do the next one, turn that one into a sentence, and it goes straight after that one. And so it's just at that sentence level breaks it right down that they can at least put them together. Now some kids still <laughs> ramble and they'll move them all together or we move on now and we go, we're going to have a transition word between those two sentences. So it doesn't have to be two separate sentences. It can be one sentence with a transition word, a however, or although, or therefore, or subsequently, or consequently, or whatever we're trying to do, a because, a but, a so is where we start. But we have those so that they learn to be more sophisticated in how they put their sentences together. But for students who are still just at that sentence, they can just write sentence one, sentence two, sentence three, sentence four. Other kids will put them together and be fancy with how they do that. So as a humanities teacher teaching English as well, do you teach genre uh, throughout your English lessons or not so much? Yeah, well, we do. So we've just done even even the hero and the genre, the hero genre, the monomyths, that type of thing. So we do, but a lot of the writing is really that um, not so much recount. Even it's it's more what we would you know describe as an essay or a persuasive text or something like that, where we're we're making a statement and we're working on proving our statement and then a conclusion to that. So our kids now are starting a unit on creative writing. So, you know, they'll go, we've gone through what is a narrative. We've already done that. How, what is a narrative? How is it put together? What does a narrative need? So we certainly do do genre. Um, and they'll have chances to write in that genre. But we're just finding that their sentence level writing is quite poor. So we're working on that. And it's more in that kind of either recount or uh, uh, persuasive text type structure. Do you try and link your narratives to the content? That you're teaching? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So um, we're about to do a a novel at the moment, so we're in fact reading the novel now so that we can really dive into it next next term when they've read it and we can make sure that every English activity is directed to that and then they'll have an opportunity to write themselves and that sort of thing. So everything is either integrated or cross-referenced or, you know, connected in some way. Then are the narratives, do they require some sort of factual knowledge to be presented or is it uh, completely up to them just to, to um, tell a story? Um, we've done both actually. We have had things in the past where um, say they've written, they've learnt all about being in Rome um, and so it might be about being a gladiator and then they've written something about being a, being a gladiator ensuring that they include those historical accuracies into their narrative and they really quite like that because it, it actually helps students who don't have as much imagination or creativity or or it gives them something to say that they go, oh, I've learned all this stuff about it and they've been visualising gladiators for eight weeks and watching things about them or what have you so it makes it much easier to just say go be creative. I think that's really difficult in a classroom so it gives them things to hang, hang on to so... That's yeah. We haven't done that this year. We did that last year though, where they wrote about something about their we want not up to Rome yet, but um, last year they did do that and it helped a lot. Okay. Yeah. You said before that you've seen an improvement in their writing. Uh, yeah, incredibly. Yeah. Have you? Is there any data 
so far to show this as well? Just in terms of what we've, what you know, what we've tested, um, NAPLAN and all of those sorts of things have been so out of whack with COVID and, and what have you. Um, so we're looking forward to seeing that. Um, I, I'm really very excited about our current year eight students. We, we started last year with them and I even know I've got um, some colleagues who are obviously teaching year eight but also teaching year nine and year ten in RE and they've gone, if only my year ten, some of my year tens could write like this. So they're just writing with far more confidence. They're putting exactly the sorts of things we've always wanted to say to kids. You know, where's your evidence to support this? You know, where's your conclusion or, where, you know, where's your interesting vocabulary going on here? And they're automatically putting it in on a more regular basis. Obviously, you know, you're going to have a range of, of students, but they're really feeling a lot more confident with their writing. It's not the struggle that we've noticed in previous years about, where do I even start? Where do I begin? How do I, how do I add this? How do I link these ideas? They're much more confident with that. The writing revolution for me has been the one of the single most exciting things I've seen and I've felt really equipped doing um, because it's such a simple strategy, such a simple way of, of presenting things um, in my career. And I've been, you know, teaching over 20 years. So it's, it's a game changer for our kids. It really is. Have you, have you noticed any difference in behaviour since um, implementing Catalyst? Yeah, so I think definitely, um, yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot more kids who are a lot more settled. I think our kids are coming in are often more complex and more difficult than um, we might have seen in previous years, but the, the classroom I think is still a pretty settled place. Um, you know, I've got a bit of a challenging group this, this year and I think, thank heavens for the skills that I've learned because I, it's really helping keep a lid on things. So, yeah, I, I, I think kids are a lot more engaged, yeah. It's not in every classroom. You know, we, we really need to be, um, you know, honest about saying it's not, it's not everywhere. Not in every classroom is HRTP happening perfectly all the time, everywhere, every moment. But um, when it is happening you definitely see the, the classroom humming along much, much better. So I think that's a con- contagious kind of feeling when you think, well, that worked really well for me then. I, I, I need to keep doing this to make sure it keeps happening in my own practice. And then your colleagues see that and go, well, that's working really well for them. Everyone who does that Teach Well course has found it to be very challenging in terms of time commitment. You know, there's deliverables, you have to hand things in, you have to meet deadlines. It's a little bit like being in a mini uni course. But um, they've all gone, but it's been really good for me. It's been really good for the kids. It's really helped me engage them. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's great. Jumping topics to intervention programs. Yep. Uh, is there intervention programs at your school? Yeah, so we have um, MacLit and um, people come in and withdraw students for a particular period of time and that's that's very, been very helpful. How yeah. do you timetable that? So I'm not responsible for that. We have an inclusive leader who, who does that, but it's they all the ladies who are trained, they happen to all be ladies, all the, all the um, CSAs who are trained come in and just you know, schedule that child and, the, and they withdraw them. A lot. They do often come from a humanities lessons on a regular basis because we have so many periods. So that's kind of helpful in and of itself with humanities because then I know what they've missed or I can catch them up or, you know, they're hearing the same thing a lot from the same teacher. So even if they've missed something for a period of time, it's more content that they've missed than skills because the skills are always being practised all the time. So, you know, 
but there, yeah, there's certainly intervention happening for certain students. Yeah, How- and they're seeing great success with it too. So lots of improvement happening. What are the students saying? Have you had any feedback from students about the change in pedagogy? Um, no, not not really, actually. Um, when the classes have done it, particularly seniors, because the sevens and eights don't know too much different. They've come into year seven and this is what we're doing, so I guess that's what that, what high school looks like. Um, but the the seniors actually quite like it. Like they, they will go, oh, that was much more interesting. That was really great. They really like doing the whiteboards. <laughs> it's sort of, I think... It just wakes them up a bit. They're, they're like, "Oh, great! I really have to be involved in this lesson." They like it. They like they like the. I think the speed and the pace of it too. That, that it keeps moving and it's designed to keep moving. It's designed to be quick, and they love the review. They love that. I wonder why. I because they have to learn it. They know that they know there's an endpoint. I have to remember this stuff to sit an exam or do an assessment. And for many of them, it's the HSC. So I'm going to have to sit in a three hour exam and remember you know, Islamic terms from my studies of religion exam, exam I'm going to have to make sure I remember this stuff. I guess um, it's so all the I can important put it things summarised. Yes, that's right, yeah. So, um, yeah, and it's, it's, it's helping them recall and, and that's what they know they so desperately need to be able to do. So what's the next steps for your school? So the next steps really, um, I'll be working with Andrew Keneally to making sure that at least we've got um, resources of some kind. Now, some some people like the slideshows. I, I like the slideshows. I know people go, oh, it's death by slideshow, what have you, but it's not. It's just a, it's just a tool, a, a, a portal for delivering your the content. Obviously, you're looking at different websites. You're watching things. You're giving out different, you know, readings. There's all sorts of different things you can be doing to supplement it. But what I like about it is every teacher in every classroom is delivering the same slideshow in their own way with their own, you know, personality and you know, take on things, but it's consistent across every class. So no matter what class you're in, someone can't say, well, we never did that with Mr. Mooney. You know, that had been Mrs. Drewson's class, but not in my class. But it's the same for everybody. And then they can deliver it, you know, um, in, in different ways. But that needs to happen on a more regular basis across more areas. Or you need to have evidence that these things are happening in your classroom. So at least I can bring up an RE slideshow in year nine and you can see that, yeah, there was a core response going on here. There was a review going on there. There was writing revolution, writing activities happening here. Um, and it's I, I know that, that, that it's happening. Whereas if I just said, oh, yeah, well, we just do it in our classroom. Just trust me. It's in my program. We just do it. I, I don't know that I could confidently say that it is happening across the board whereas if a teacher's got a resource that is a fabulous resource they can open it up why would you not use it it's it's there and it's got a choral response on it we'll, we'll just do the choral response with the kids it's a you know it's sitting there rem- reminding you as a teacher to do this activity at the same time so that that I would like to see rolled out in more key learning areas and more subjects where relevant you know where where it's useful for that you know, maths and science, they work in a different way. They, you know, indi- individual slideshows for different things, different presentations. So you, you do, I'm not saying it needs to be a one rule for everybody, but there needs to be evidence in our resources that anybody could pick up and go, yep, I can see that happening. It's def- that's definitely happening. So that we need a little bit more consistency across that. And I really would like to get better at tracking when the reviews are happening so to ensure that, you know, we are dipping back into a, a something that was learnt 9, 10, 11, 12, 15 weeks ago. So if we're good at going, yesterday we did this, 
you remember last week we did this, but do you remember what we did, you know, 15 weeks ago? Because you're actually going to have a test on that at the end of the semester or what have you. Because we have got sometimes semester exams, which is, you know, across 20 weeks of content. And when have we, we've just said to them two weeks before, start revising. But when have we actually given them the, you know, reminded them on a regular basis so that the revising isn't so horrible and arduous and not successful? So they're, they're my two kind of goals that I would love to see that every KLA could, you know, hand on heart say, yeah, these are our resources. This is where it's happening. You can see it's happening no matter what teacher walks in now, even if they've never taught it, they're new to our school here are the resources, this is what this means, so you keep it alive. You know, it shouldn't be just reliant on have you done the teachable course, if you haven't, don't worry about it. So if you've got someone coming in, they've just just arrived and they've, they've never heard of any of this, but they've got this resource to use, I can do that, that sounds great, I can do that review, yeah, I can, I can answer that, I can do that hinge point question, I can do those whiteboards, I can, yeah, that's great, it's all already done for me, why would I not do it? That and reviews, am I... The, the things I've got my eye on. So what do you know now that you didn't know before? Um, oh, that's a great question. What do I know? That it's doable. I think when we started it was like, oh, this is enormous. This this is not possible. You're not going to get this. This is a pie in the sky kind of thing. But it is actually really, really doable. Um hard work, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of resources in terms of, of teacher um, skill and, and um, dedication to it. Um, I think that it's not new, but it's a nice reminder that the, the kids really do really want to learn, um, even when they look as apathetic as anything in high school. And if, if we can deliver it in a way that, that keeps them engaged and keeps them on track, that they will suck it up like a sponge. And that's, that's not a learning, that's something I always knew, but it's a nice reminder that um, to keep going, yeah. Erica, thank you for having me at your school. No, it's been and, a pleasure. Thanks, Luke. And um, showing me, what, observing one of the lessons too. It's an absolute pleasure to be able to do that. Uh, yeah, thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on Teacher Insights. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favourite platform so you never miss an episode. If you're interested in learning more about Catalyst, check out the website catalyst.cg.catholic.edu.au. Until next time, keep learning.